Cutting for Sign with Ron Cecil and Daniel Pinnerklein. The bad white men call him the devil. The Yavapai call him eyes like the sky. You have consented to record your voice with your friend Ronald. You do not have a good singing voice, my friend, which is a shame because we can I, do some duets. Dude, I um, it hurts. It hurts when I try to sing. Like I actually try I to know sing. It, does. it hurts. Like I'm like, oh, that is tough. <laughs> that is real tough. Hey, congrats. This is episode 40 of Cutting for Sign. Yeah. Hell yeah. 40 times. 40 times. That's pretty cool. That's a week's worth of work we just did. We did it <laughs> in just just under a year. Just under a year. <laughs> One week's work, worth of work in just under 11 months. Yeah. That's pretty strong. That's what they mean when they talk about white privilege. <laughs> I don't, I don't no, understand that at all. <laughs> male privilege, that's what I meant. Just all the privilege talk, you know, it's like... I, I know that sounds kind of like. Oh, I, th- sound, I think I see where you're going now. That okay, almost sounds a little bit racist. I, I, let me clarify that. Yeah. Privilege, white privilege, male privilege, American privilege, youth privilege, you know? Um, sure. Middle class privilege, like all of that stuff. You know, you and I kind of check all those boxes. Oh, t- 10,000%. Yeah. And as much as I, you know, I think there's those parts of ourselves that are like, mm, I'm not, you know, I suffer too, yeah. which is true. Like there's a few categories you and I fall in that are not privileged categories. And, um, but I do think the ones that, that certainly the ones that we do uh, exist in have made our lives significantly easier than a lot of people. And one of those things has been probably time just yeah. having more time. That's kind of what I was saying with that. Yeah, it's a pretty unique thing to get to do this, to get to kind of unplug away from everything. It's really hard. Yeah. I mean, I think I heard Tim Ferriss say that like uh, pod, there's like, a you know, some crazy number of podcasts that have no more than three episodes. Yeah, the podcast graveyard. Dude, it's it's no joke. It's a lot of work. It's a legit amount of work that you and I put in to do this. I feel like we've only just begun too. like we could probably just keep doing what we're doing and yeah. gain better guests. Now by better, I just mean like what well, we can probably have a better conversation with the people who are on. Cause you and I understand For how sure. to talk to people. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm re- that hit me uh, this week as we've gone through um, uh, really starting with uh, Daniel Popper and, and then we just talked to Babsy like I, the, between the two, I was really thinking like, how can I be better at talking? How can I be a better conversationalist, ask better questions, speak less, you know, ask questions that bring out more. What did you come up with? Well, nothing. Obviously you heard me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I, well, for me, the biggest one is like, is not letting myself jump to, oh, I've got a story about that too. Kind of thing. I don't think you're a meat monster. I don't think you do that too much. Well, it's because I've got that shit, shithead chained to a toilet in my brain. Like he's... <laughs> I want to know more about that story now. Can you unchain the fool? <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. You know what? Okay, so here's how this all ties together, okay? So 
you and I have been talking a long time about like becoming more of who we are, becoming better versions of ourselves. And a big part of my journey has been recognizing all the little ways that I acted in distrust to myself, right? Like I position, I, I like, I presented an outer part of me that's not fully me. And that's a big thing that I've realized, like that's been a big part of my life. Uh, well, that's got to be a matter of degree, though, because I think that's human nature, just as I, I understand. I completely so. agree. Yeah, I think it's yeah. a, it's probably the most pervasive, singular, like individual problem that exists. Is like and people I, are afraid of being themselves. Well, and I don't think I, I mean it's a good thing to do that because that's I think that that tailoring subconsciously ta- and automatically tailoring our psyche, our persona, our personality to fit other people and to not upset things. To some degree, that's a good thing because that's a huge tool that makes that helps all of us get along, you know, because humans get along in massive groups. You yeah, know? We no it, longer just get along in like 150 people. We now get along. In well, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. Like, I, you know, like that's that's easy. That's that shit's easy for me to do. I'm talking about having to say that I believe things that I did not believe. I'm talking about my my Christian upbringing. I'm talking about like my, the family systems I operated in with my, with my parents and my greater family. Like I'm talking about the parts of me that like didn't feel like I was allowed to be because I was afraid of of rejection and abandonment uh, from like my primary core of people. That's what I mean. I think that the Mm -hmm. just normal persona that is who we are, it, it, when it's taken too far for other reasons, it turns into what you're talking about you know yeah it does and it's like stripping away all that bullshit and just being yourself and i i feel like that's a lifelong process well it definitely is and i it for me it's been in fits and starts you know like big chunks of hey it's it's we're getting through this other parts it feels like do i even know how to be myself is that even a thing like like how do i actually part of me yeah that's a good call and maybe you don't and maybe in some ways you know it, it that's what the process is. It's not unpeeling something. It's literally learning how to be yeah. who you are and, and yeah. how to be. That's why I would, I would love to have been an actor, you know, because, mm. you know, in the little acting I did do, you get to try on a different personality. You're encouraged to do that. And then what I found is that I would find out little things about myself that were mm. latent through the character. I was, you know, mm. it was like the best way to discover, discover and actually embody in your voice and your movement who, yeah. who you might be. Yeah. Like our man Brett Weinstein and Roy Kent. Yeah. They're better better version, you know, better way to do your own alter ego than to act them out in a show. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Tenacious D, Jack Black. He's oh, one yeah. Of my favorites. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Because his Jack Black character is so off the cuff, rude and angry and, mm-hmm. you know, but it's like you can tell it's good natured and he has Kyle Gass foil, you know, and he can just like pick on Kyle, but you know, they're really cool in real yeah. life. So it's yeah. okay, but he's awful to him, you know, and <laughs> I just think that creating some sort of safe environment where you can be your dark, dirty self and bring mm. it into your persona is like really healthy. Hmm. Hmm. Um, you've mentioned in the past that you want to act in the future. Strictly because of what I just told you. I, yeah. I, I just think it would be a great way to express inner parts that don't get to live in this world, you know? Well, I think it's fascinating. I want to talk about that more and I want to come along for the journey in this. Uh, but until then, we our next guest, Jasmine Carmen, is here. 
And awesome. um, I'm excited about this because we're going to talk a bit more about what you and I were just talking about in a minute. Sounds great. Take us away. Jasmine Carmen, you are an Australian-based feminine wholeness coach and creator of Conscious Sexuality, a space of liberation, learning, and enlightenment around sexuality. Your passion is to see women thrive, create abundance, and step into their most authentic life. You help women hone their sexual energy, particularly those who experience pain during sex or have been otherwise hindered by purity culture. You believe that all of a person belongs in embracing, embracing and awakening to one's sexuality, asking oneself different, difficult questions, and that freedom and a new life direction can come from resolving past traumas. Welcome, Jasmine. Thank you. Good to be here. Jasmine, you have a, a different way of speaking than most of our guests. So could you tell us where you are? I'm going to guess Atlanta, yes. Georgia. <laughs> no? Nope. Um, I'm in Australia. Um, I live about two hours north of Sydney um, in a coastal town. Um, so that's why my accent sounds very different to you all, because I'm halfway across the world. <laughs> and I bet you're like, man, you guys, the accent's terrible. I just can't even guess <laughs> you guys. <laughs> what a... What do, what do Australians think of American accents? Good question. Um, I mean, we think they're interesting because you guys have lots of different accents based on where people live. Yeah. Mm. Um, like I love a New Yorker accent. Um, I yeah. think it's just fantastic. But then I also am quite fascinated by like a th- Southern accent as well. <laughs> Is I that as prevalent? Um, I can do in- one if you want me to do that the rest of the episode. Just speak Southern <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> Is that as prevalent in, in Australia, different dialects of English? Um, not dialects, but uh, accents? I don't think it is. There are some different huh. twangs that can come through, but all in all, I think we all kind of sound the same. I wonder why that's so mm. prevalent in the States. And it's kind of that way in England too, right? right. Yeah, it's really that way in England, yeah. I wonder why that is. Maybe it's the diversity of culture. I don't know. Good question. I mean, we have a, we still have a lot of diversity here Seriously, as well. So yeah. you do get like ethnic English accents or, um, you know, Asian English accents and things yeah. like that. Um, but in terms of kind of like the typical Australian accent, I feel like it's pretty much the same, huh. mostly everywhere. You know, I lived in Geelong for like, I don't know, the better part of a year. You familiar with Geelong? Yeah. Yeah. That's in um, Victoria. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very, very formative part of my life. I was like, I feel like I discovered myself there as mm. more than more than in any other time in my life. It was amazing. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, Jasmine, um, I didn't know something about you. I I knew what you did. I, yeah. I I've even spoken to you, yeah. but I uh, listened to your podcast and listened to the episode where Dan, your husband, right? That's his name. Yeah. Yes. Uh, interviewed you. And uh, as much as Dan and I, Daniel, my co-host, and I would like to talk about the difference between Australians and Americans. <laughs> <laughs> I was just I a little get, vamping. We were vamping. I could get it all into it. <laughs> I could root around in it, as Daniel says. Um, uh, your um, overcoming story, I don't know if that's the way to phrase it, but your, sto- your healing journey, um, I, knew, I, I knew of it but I didn't know kind of some of its past stuff. And so why don't, uh, why don't you kind of introduce yourself around that? And, and, you know, we, we told everybody what you do and then kind of, maybe this is your origin story since you're every superhero needs one. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So I guess that's, I guess that's right. Everyone kind of starts somewhere. Um, 
in in when they find their passions and and where they sort of head in life. And for me, um, a lot of my healing journey kicked off when I started working through a physical healing journey, um, which was when I had been experiencing painful sex. Um, So specifically, I had a condition which is called vaginismus. Um, And so for those who don't know what vaginismus is, it's an involuntary contraction of your vaginal muscles. Um, So meaning when you go to attempt any kind of penetration, when it comes to sex, that's not possible. Um, Or it's just like severely painful. Um, And I experienced that um, from the get-go of getting married. Like um, when my husband and I got married, we were both very heavily in church and didn't have sex before we got married. So then when we got married, this was this sort of big hurdle that we didn't anticipate having to overcome. Mm. Um, and it was something that I, I pushed to the side for about the first six years of our marriage. Cause I just wasn't, I didn't know what to do. I felt a lot of shame around it. I didn't yeah. feel like I had people that I could talk to about it. Mm. Um, and so we kind of just pushed it under the rug and we're like, yep. Okay. That's there, but we don't really know what to do. Let's just leave it there. Um, and so then it wasn't until I, I hit a point where I was obviously ready. Um, my body was ready. I was ready. And I was like, I need to do something about this. Mm. Um, and it was actually because I was listening to a podcast by, um, Ron yourself and Morgan. Um, we were on a road trip in New Zealand and we had downloaded all your like Jesus tuxedo podcasts. Sexy tuxedo Um, Jesus. That's the the one. Podcast name ever. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, and, and Morgan mentioned the term vaginismus and then described it. And I was like, I think that's what I have. Um, and it was really frustrating because we were like, we didn't have any reception or anything like that. And I was like, I need to get on Google. <laughs> <laughs> get, this, get this sorted. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that from there, that kind of like spiraled into me going, okay, I think I have a name for this condition. I think I'm ready to do something about it, yeah. which sort of equaled in me talking to friends and then going to see a doctor and then starting a physical healing journey with mm. it. Um, but then at the same time, because it is also a, a mental journey too, there's a lot of mental and emotional stuff that comes with that. I needed to work through that side of things as well. Um, and it was at that point then when I also really lent into Morgan and what she was doing with her um, feminine wholeness school and just her coaching program that she had running at that time too. Yeah. Um, and so that's then what sort of really kicked off, I guess, me stepping into my authentic self um, because I was on the journey and fixing something that like, I don't want to say I I was broken, but I was still fixing something that wasn't right. It wasn't normal what I was experiencing. Um, So there was a lot of physical things that I did. And then also I partnered with partnered it with a lot of emotional and mental work. Yeah. You said a phrase that I want to hone in on a little bit. That was your authentic self. Well, for, first of all, before we jump totally into that, like if I I'm surprised how common vaginismus is, mm-hmm. like I've spoken to a fair amount of people, like a mm-hmm. good amount of folks who have struggled with it in relationship, out of relationship. And, and I love that you are talking about it and you know, you're making a thing out of it, like, like a real, like kind of starting point conversation started for people's healing journey. And I want to commend you for being brave and sharing and letting that, um, letting that shine out of you. That's so, so great. 
but getting back to your authentic self, that's exactly what Daniel and I were talking about before you got on is like, is recognizing or the moment you recognize that you've not been your authentic self mm. and then, and then trying to find the steps that lead you back to you. I have one friend who calls it restoring his soul. Like he feels yeah. like he's on that journey right now. Yeah. And, and so, you know, kind of what, for, and I'll give you some examples before I let you just like run with this, but yeah. I know, I, I don't even know if I would have called myself a deconstructed Christian mm-hmm. because I don't know if I ever constructed it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I actually ever believed in a lot of the stuff that I was told I had to believe in. I said, I, I said, I did, I acted like I did yeah. from the outside. It probably looked like I did. Mm-hmm. But all those years later, I'm like, oh shit, I was like just living all this weird lie that fit me so well that I could like operate it. And and now that I'm on the other side of that, I'm like, oh, I was frankly being very dishonest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm and I'm trying really hard to notice in me where I haven't been my most authentic self. So it sounds like this was like one of the threads you pulled in your life on the journey back to your authentic self, what, what, what was that like? And then what else were, did, helped you along that journey? Yeah. I feel like as much as going through the condition and having to go through that, like really sucked. I don't know if I'd be where I was today if I didn't mm. have that experience. And at the same time, I, I'm sure I would have gotten there at some point in the end, but I feel like because it was so much around my sexuality, because it was so much like, this vaginismus kind of like hindered my sex life physically. And then it also affected me in how I expressed myself sexually. Like how, how do I be a sexual person when, especially because the language that had been taught to me was like sex equals like penetrative sex. Like that's what sex is. And so that is, I feel like that's the initial thread that I, I, I pulled Um, I really started to go, well, what is sex? Like, what is a sex life? How do I express myself sexually? What does that mean for me? Um, And especially having experienced a version of purity culture here in Australia too. um, I was, there was this part of me that I had on the inside that I, I knew I wanted to explore more, but I never felt like I had the tools to start to explore further. Mm. Um, and I, I'd also never given myself permission. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I had to be and look a certain person to fit into the category of Christian, mm-hmm. you know, to fit into the category of wife, um, you know, and the, the, so those kind of, I guess, stereotypes or stigmas. Um, and, and there was this part inside of me that always knew that this wasn't what I, this is not what I viewed my version of who I wanted to be, but I, yeah. I had been pushed into it through years of going to church, through mm-hmm. the years of the language that had been taught. And so then I was like, okay, well, I'm going to pull this string and let's see what happens. <laughs> you survived. <laughs> you didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> I think, it uh, felt, yeah. It felt really, really scary at the yeah. time. I know. Yeah. Because I felt like I was unraveling everything I'd ever learned. Yeah. Yeah. Five. So when we recorded those episodes, was 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 kind of our formal exit out of uh, yeah. Christian culture, and uh, it was terrifying, man. Like I had a really really hard time with that. Um, and Daniel, I don't I don't know if I've said this phrase to you before or said something like it, but a part of the uh, reason it's so scary for someone to leave 
some form of Christianity or church or whatever is that is the, is the silent judgment is not only are you out of the group, like you're out of Christianity, like you're going to hell, like you're going to die the eternal death. And, and that is uh, like a really weird superstition that wants to latch on really what, like it wants to hang on <laughs> so much. <laughs> yeah. If someone has learned when they're a kid that there's a hell and that if you don't behave a certain way, you're going to it, that I would think that that would be pretty brutal to at, at a deep level, let go of and believe in something else. You know, It's profoundly difficult at, at first. Uh, the other thing I wanted to just uh, give give a little note on is um, she mentioned something called purity culture. Purity culture is like this idea that there's a really specific way sex can be and should be and has to be in order for it to be acceptable in Christian culture. And that is, generally speaking, no sex before marriage. Sex should only be done between a man and a woman in the context of marriage, full stop. And that's kind of it. I mean, that's like... Not much else, right? But it's but it is a. I would a think really, no no freaky sex would be somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. I forgot about just all shooting that. from the hip. That's yeah, like no freaky. Sex. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's right. Yeah. So so you you pulled that thread and it all started to unravel and you are now now feeling like there's more at stake, right? It's not just your Christian experience. It's like your family and friends that you grew up with and the culture you're a part of. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So at that point that I sort of pulled that initial thread, we hadn't, we hadn't been going to church for probably about a year or maybe it was two years. I can't really remember um, because the community that we were in didn't feel like a community. So we were like, well, we're not really getting anything from this. We've got plenty of friends who don't go to church. Let's just let's just hang out with them more because that's giving us more value. So we hadn't been in a church environment for a while, a typical church environment. Um, So the big thing was really around like, how do I start to re-express myself? Like how do I begin to redefine myself as who Mm. I want to be and not freak my family out? How'd you do that? What was your baby steps? And then finally the grand reveal. (laughs) (laughs) oh man it it was rough it was really rough like I started my Instagram account initially as a way for me to express and just talk about the vaginismus journey that I was going through are you talking about your personal account or the other one no my other one so at conscious sexuality yeah um but I blocked all family members from viewing it okay because I was like I'm not ready to tackle this yet but I want to talk about it yeah. So I'll block the people that I don't want to view yeah. this and, Smart. you know, do what I feel like is comfortable for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there was a time where my parents-in-law, like a friend of a friend or something had the account recommended to them or something. And like, it felt like all hell broke loose, literally. Wow. Um. And it's, and it's hard to navigate because like, by then I'm like 20, 27, 28 years old. Like I'm a fully grown woman. I've been married for like seven years and I've got like parents-in-law coming at me saying like, what are you doing? This is not good. And I'm like, I'm not a child. Like, yeah. (laughs) 
I'm, I'm literally my own person. Like you can't tell me what to do. Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, and they just weren't, they just didn't like what I was doing. Um, I had started expressing myself in a really different way. I, I, you know, start, well, I had done by then Morgan's sexy selfie course. So I was kind of doing the Excellent. sexy selfie thing. Good. Yes. Everyone. Um, <laughs> right. And, um, and that was my way of like experimenting. I was experimenting yeah. in how to express myself. Um, and I what was recording it you, online. What else did you do? I think that that's a, uh, Ron Lund and I were talking about this. We speak for a few minutes before you come on and, um, or before the guest comes on. And we were talking about just that, like different ways to express different parts of our personality. And what an interesting process that is, because it's probably going to feel kind of awkward at first, even though it's quote more authentic, you know, and, but what if, but it's also an experimental process. So maybe you're part of us isn't doing that in a way that is more authentic. It's just a step along the way. It's it's such an interesting process. I'm really fascinated by Maybe you talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's something that, again, I felt like I always wanted to be how I wanted to be able to express myself, but I didn't feel like I had the tools or like the permission slip sort of to to use that way as a way of expression. Um, And so I I did the sexy selfie um, course with Morgan and felt like I then was like, oh, cool, I have these tools. Like I love taking photos. Like it's so fun. Let's kind of try and like go outside of the um, border a little bit here and let's push the limit as to how I would normally take a photo. Um, and, and a lot of the time it was just for fun. It was just for me. But then as I started sharing and expressing more online and breaking down the stigma around expressing myself as a sexual being, I was using some of those photos that I took to post on Instagram, um, because I wanted other women to have permission too. Because yeah. I thought, well, if I'm going through this, then other people are going through this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't want to just limit it to like my photo gallery on my phone where then no one saw it. I wanted to show that there is freedom in this unique way of taking mm-hmm. selfies and yeah. dressing up or dressing down or not dressing at all, like just those kinds of things. And it just felt like that practice in itself was a huge permission slip for me, but also really taught me how to start to express myself sexually more. Yeah. It's like, it's really easy. I think for us to say, Oh, that person's taking a sexy uh, picture of themselves, how Mm -hmm. arrogant or selfish Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, maybe even narcissistic, like people start throwing around some pretty heavy words, you know? And, and, and I think that you can, like if a child does stuff like that, we look at it maybe more like it's play and expression and I don't think that that needs to be, that needs to change into adulthood. Certainly people can do that too much or in a way where you can start to tell, maybe you just get a feel that it's maybe not coming from the best place, but I would think, and and maybe there's more of that than what we're talking about, but I, I don't know. I don't really know that. I, I tend to be like, you, you go person, like yeah. do, get it out there, you know? And to be honest, it makes me want to do that too you know right I what I what maybe confidence or good feelings I might get you know from from that I I think that men or male identifying people or people closer to the male end of the spectrum of gender you know maybe could play with that more too you know Mm -hmm. I think that's a really interesting point that you brought up which is about it's about play 
Mm. And and I think as yeah. we often enter into adulthood, we lose that because we get told we're meant yeah. to behave and act in a certain <laughs> way. So we lose that play aspect. We lose that inner child aspect. And that was exactly what Morgan was trying to teach. She was, she has been teaching for so long as well. She's been saying, you don't have to just act this certain way because you're an, an adult now. Like you can have fun, you can play, you can, I mean, anyone who's an avid follower of Morgan knows how much she loves to play. Like she puts the wigs on, she does anything and everything. Like just, yeah. it, she just goes for it. Um, and, and that she has been my inspiration, honestly, like for so long, because I'm like, I want to be like that. I want to be carefree. I don't want to give a shit. I hope I can swear on this podcast. You can definitely fucking swear Fuck on this podcast. no. I can't <laughs> believe it. This is bullshit. Hey, hold, real quick though, uh, Jasmine, question for Ronald. Yeah. Does, because Morgan does do that type of imagery pretty consistently, does she get a lot of flack for that from anybody? Uh, not anymore. At the beginning, yeah. yeah really? At the beginning, especially, especially, um, so, so, <laughs> you know, I had like left, christianity in 2004 and uh i wrote this great letter to my family and my mom like i'm out i'm out of the family i'm out of church i'm out of the country i'm gone don't contact me i'll call you and it was one of the best yeah it was really such a great liberating experience and i think if anyone is listening and you've got like some toxic shit in your life family in particular that is like you can you can see the evidence of it not helping you like get those divorce papers in order for your family and get that shit out of your life. Cause it was a huge, um, boost in my like emotional, physical, spiritual health. But a side note is that you're now like close to your mom. I'm now close to my mom. I feel like I've been able to process and forgive a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Now I say all that to say, um, I had this like kind of like reconnection with Christianity, maybe three years, three years after that. So maybe around 2007, eight or so 2008 and uh, Morgan joined me in that and she does not have a Christian background at all and so it's all kind of like watching her navigate that is like oh like oh I don't believe that but okay like everyone seems nice I'll kind of go along with it and and she kind of did the like cute Christian wife thing for a minute and um and so when she really you know we did that for a few years and and here in Portland and and then as it all began to unravel, uh, number one, she just did not have any problem leaving church. Like she was like, this is easy. Like that, like, I don't, <laughs> you know, the, especially when it came to like, um, LGBTQ, uh, issues, especially when it came to like, there's only one way to get to heaven. Um, all those kinds of like big primary pillars of Christianity. Uh, she had no problem. It was like easiest pie for her to walk away. And for me, I was like, still like, like a, you know, wild animal somehow. It just scared me to, uh, it was almost like I was a captive animal trying to get back in the wild. And that was with the difficult transition. And in those early days, yeah, Daniel, like people did talk shit and people did say things. And I had like, even a pastor, like kind of pull me aside and be like, get your wife in order. And I remember looking at him. He's not exactly what he said. It was the gist of what he said. Yeah. And I was like, she's in order. This is her life. Like she's, she's helping people a lot more than, than uh, you are. Um, so I've always celebrated her and, and the funny thing, I think the irony though, is that I don't feel as near as free and wild and playful as she does. And, and even, even last night, like she bought, she's, she just took off to, to retreat with some girls 
and she brought bought all these like fun outfits to wear with these girls some of them were really sexy and i'm like hell yeah let's let's look at this lady and but the other thing i was uh, as i was kind of, i was a little jealous i was like i want some fun outfits i want to dress fun i want to have a good time i want to go play like i want to go out to some clubs and i want to do all this stuff so we were we were trying to figure out how like i could make that happen part of it is it is like i just get too tired thinking about what to wear and so i just like default <laughs> to the same shit all the time <laughs> well that's a good point you know i have noticed that uh you know like for me any step along this path i'm curious what you think too jasmine path of authenticity like and i think of authentic self is more of like a mat it's like i'm stepping into that more and more as opposed mm. to like now my authentic self i i feel like that term i have a little problem with authentic self because it's just a little bit clunky but i love the gist of it and on that path um i find it all work you know but very satisfying mm. work it takes me more mm. effort to make my house a little bit nicer um it takes me more effort to dress up to eat better food to like basically everything that's more aligned with my that more authentic self is a pain in the ass you know at least at first and for a while and so if i were to like take some selfies or something like that like posting things i don't know it's just it's all work and i think that it's okay that it's work but i think maybe or i wonder if some people might find that it's challenging as it puts them off because it's like oh it's not easy it's not I'm not, Yeah, you know what I mean? Like it should be easy if it's right. And it's like, not all the time, sometimes, <laughs> but sometimes yeah. it's the total opposite. That's it's right. like hard. It feels awkward. It feels wrong, but that's a good sign. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree with that. And I think that's such a valid point is I guess sometimes people who do sort of follow um, the journey to being more authentic or more themselves, you know, whichever term yeah. they want to use. Yeah they think it's going to be this easy journey because all of a sudden they're aligned and they're like on the path that they're meant to be on. But, Mm -hmm. but there are going to be conflicts that come up along the way, whether it is from family because you're changing who you are and who they perceive you to be, you're challenging their beliefs and what they think is right and true because you're adapting to something else that you believe is right and true. Mm -hmm. Um, Taking selfies is not easy because you feel awkward. You feel, vain maybe um but all of these things start to become easier with practice and and that was what I found is yes it was hard work like I dedicated probably like two or three years of my life to like hardcore like morning meditations or weekly selfie practices um reading all the books like ingesting all the information yeah. so that at some point it would become like first nature wow what other things did you do during that two or three years well one of the biggest things that i did was um work alongside morgan with her programs that she had been offering um because i wanted what she had i wanted the freedom that she expressed and how she did it and i felt like she had the tools that i needed to be able to get on that path and navigate that. Um, So I was heavily invested in that. And then I was also like buying books. I was like challenging my beliefs around Christianity. So I was also in the middle of like deconstruction. Mm -hmm. Um, I was challenging my thoughts around how I perceive the world. So also like really a lot around LGBT, um, QAI plus people, the non-binary people, how they perceive the world. I was also starting to realize that I needed to also pay more, a bit more attention to like justice and caring for the world and the environment and like 
all these kinds of things that I knew I cared about, but I wanted them to be more prevalent in my life. I wanted them to be not just something that I knew about that I should be doing, but something that I like consciously took on board and decided like, these are the things that I, that I want to try and make as to like who I am as a person. And I guess that's why I, I also use, that's why I have my name, I guess, as conscious sexuality, because a lot of a lot of what I did was bringing everything that I wanted into my conscious. And it had, I feel like a lot of it had been sitting quite dormant in my subconscious for quite a nice. long time. And I was at that point where I was like, no, I want it. I want it conscious now. Like I want it to be at the, at the beginning. Um, and one of the terms that I gave myself was I wanted to be consciously embodied. And, and when I say consciously embodied, I, I guess it's quite a broad term because it means whatever I bring into my conscious is something that I want to like integrate or embody into my life, into who I am, into how I treat people, how I perceive the world. Um, and that like is kind of like this two to three year space that I took um, I was, I was at that time, I was like also working in admin. So I was, I was catching a bus to work. I was listening to like two podcasts a day. Like I was like deep in trying to like rearrange everything I'd ever known, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because, um, you're phrasing something in a way that I haven't really heard. And that's that you're wanting to make subconscious processes or programs or just your inner world, your subconscious inner world, making it conscious. Hmm. And then another, but I think the way I've looked at it and your way of phrasing that is helping me and look at it at a different angle is that I've got subconscious world that I don't like the way it's happening hmm. and I need to slowly affect it and rearrange that landscape within, hmm. you know, yeah. can you speak to the difference maybe between the two things we're talking about or or the same thing that's been talked about for from different angles. Yeah. So I guess like from what, with my knowledge, I guess that I have around the conscious and the subconscious, I think subconscious is often things that we, we do maybe without thinking, or it's kind of like that internal programming that is there and affects maybe how we perceive the world or our belief systems. Um, and it's something that exists there that like we don't necessarily have like a, I'm just trying to think of the right word to say, like um, we don't necessarily question the subconscious. It's kind of, it could be these things that are just there and, and we know they're there or, or, or things that are within our subconscious slip out before we've had a chance to review it in our conscious first. Definitely. And so I think then the conscious is when we decide to on purposely choose to believe something or on purposely choose to change a way of thinking. Um, so I think that's how I view the conscious and the subconscious kind of ways of, of thinking about things. I don't know if that yeah, answers your question. I, well, it does. It's, I mean, we're speaking, I think we're speaking around an interesting topic. Like I was writing this story last year and it was taking place in a, in a world that was representative of my, the writer's subconscious. And I played around with the rules of the subconscious world and the rules of the conscious world. And I had a character go from the conscious world, go down, go down or go into 
the subconscious mm -hmm. landscape. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I was playing with is that everything was automated down there. It mm. didn't have choice, you know? Yeah. And I think it's very interesting when we send one of those little um, envoys down into our subconscious world and to some extent have an effect and we bring choice into an mm -hmm. automated world, we start, we got to start changing the landscape, changing things that happen. Yeah. Um, but I liked what you said, which is like, you were kind of speaking of the sub, there's subconscious aspects that are good, like uh, shadow aspects, you know, which is kind of maybe what we're talking about a little bit that need to live. And they're kind of living in, in maybe a more murky, unformed way. And we want to get them out into the world in a way that works in our world too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, the, another way of, and maybe you said this, but it was going through my head. So apologies if I'm just repeating exactly the words you said a few minutes ago, but um, I often think of it as like the default mode of, default. you know, it, it's like oh. we, 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 it's like from the factory, it's set this way. Obviously yep. that factory is our, our young childhood and right. upbringing and all those things, right. but it's, yeah. it's you know, we're not even aware. I, I know one of the things I wrestled with a long time was this like a continuous feeling of guilt mm -hmm. all the time, mm -hmm. all the time I felt guilty. And, <laughs> and part of it was, I, it dawned on me actually earlier this week or maybe the weekend where I, where I was like, oh, someone told me, you know, at formative years of my life that I'm a bad person, that I'm yeah. bad. Yeah. And that the only way to be good is to accept Jesus Christ in my heart. And that's it. And, and you have to say a certain set of words mm -hmm. in a certain way, or otherwise it doesn't work, yeah. which sounds like fucking black magic to me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then every week from then was like, what did you let in your life that broke that magic spell? <sighs> and, and you've got to come up, you know, you've got to have some kind of new transformative, transformative experience with Jesus at the altar. There's all kinds of different language. Each, each church has their own like weird language around it. But I think, fuck, I went through, you know, um, two decades of that, like all the time, three days a week, I'm hearing some version of that. No wonder I feel bad all the time because I've mm -hmm. been told that it's normal to feel bad and that yeah. you have to do this magical thing to make the bad go away and the bad right. never went away. <laughs> Ron, if you had to put a number on it, 0% to 100%, how much would you say that voice still exists? Oh, it's still, oh yeah, man. He loves <laughs> hanging out with me. Um, uh, it's really, um, really common still. And I have to like have a conversation with him. So I've got Ronnie, Ron, and Ronald that I kind of like call on different parts <laughs> of me that like need, they might need to hear something and they might need to be soothed yep. or they might need um, to be taught a lesson. What they don't need is to be told they're bad for acting however they were acting. Whoa. What they do need is to be told that they were just trying their best mm -hmm. with what they had, with the knowledge that they had and that uh, there's a better way and we get to explore that better way together. We may not know what that is, but I'm dedicated to helping you find it out, find it out. Mm -hmm. And, and that has been like a profound, I mean, like life altering shift in me. Well, that has, you've never shared that with me. Look Ronnie, at this. Ronnie, look at Ronald. this. 
That's very sweet. Jasmine, you didn't know this, but this is also our 40th episode. So we have like a little celebration to do as well. And (laughs) it's um, fun. So the podcast has reached like midlife. (laughs) It does. (laughs) It depends on when the podcast is going to die. Never. That's when it's it's going to die. Always. If it goes to 500 episodes, we're just a little, we're still Ronnie. We're just Yeah. Little Ronnie, sperm Ronnie still, just like swimming, trying to find a place. Ron Ron. (laughs) Dude, did you say Ron Ron? I did. I told you about that, right? No. What? My best friend, Taiwan, down the block with his twin sister, Taiwana, called me Ron Ron. Oh. That is like, what? (laughs) I was just trying to come up with an even younger than Ronnie name for Ron. Yeah. Well, there was little Ronnie, and then there was Ron Ron for a few years when I lived on the block Uh, with these guys. Ron Ron is like... Ron Ron's like 12. He was, Ron Ron might be he a little was like six to eight, six to eight and kind of a pump. Like, yeah, I did some bad shit. Ron Ron needs to live still. Don't feel bad about it, Ron Ron. You get to live. You could be a punk. Uh, I was going to ask you, Jasmine, um, yeah. how did Dan do with this? Your husband and all this. Mm. I mean, I mean, you guys, you guys like courted and married in a culture that is like this in order to be accepted, it's got to fit in this container. Yeah. I got the feeling listening to Dan interview you that he has been along for the ride, has been very supportive and obviously loves you very much. Uh, what's, I mean, I know I wouldn't have a job unless a lot of the men whose wives have been working with my wives, like needed help also going through some kind of transformation. So what was his process like? Yeah. It's interesting because I often reflect on on his process and I I stop and I I kind of I feel grateful a lot because it could have gone really badly. Mm. Um in in terms of like he could have not at all supported this journey that I wanted to go on. Um he could have thought I'd absolutely lost the plot, like who knows, but um he really did just roll with it, like honestly, and that is a lot of credit to his personality just in general. He is Did a very say, roll with it kind of guy. Did you say lost the plot? Like the plot yes. of the story? Is that what that phrase is? Oh, maybe that's an Aussie term. <laughs> You've never heard that, that phrase, man? No, like lost the plot, like yeah. lost, the, lost the plot of yeah. the story? Yeah. 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 That's a good, I like that. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to catch that. Lost the plot. I'm going to use that. That's a good one. Okay. Yeah. So he, he is a very, he's a very relaxed, very chill person. Nothing stresses him out. Like, I don't think I've ever seen him stressed. Wow. Um, And and I know some people could probably say that as a red flag, but like, he's really like, he doesn't, things don't worry him. Um, And when I started on this journey, which was, which was from like the vaginismus side of things, um, he, he was there. He was always supportive. He's always been supportive in that side of things as well. Um, a lot of that initial physical journey was about me learning. It was rewiring my sexuality for yeah. pleasure. Um, and so he was really supportive in that. He was never, um, the kind of person who would say, well, you're just like withholding or I deserve this or I deserve that. Like he was always really gentle, really caring, really patient, um, and then when I really started kind of the, I guess the beliefs and the, the breakdown, the deconstruction side of things, again, he just like rolled with it. <laughs> mm. And, and weirdly he, he was on a similar journey at the same time too. Um, yeah. a lot of the time I would bring up a topic and I'd be like, Hey, I listened to this podcast today and they suggested this 
concept or they've broken down, you know, this idea that got taught to us all throughout, you know, church and Christianity, and they've broken it down into this other thought. What, what do you reckon about that? And he's like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, that's cool. Like, um, or he'd be like, yeah, I was thinking about something similar about that the other day. And it was a lot of like, there was a lot of coincidental things there. I was working through something and I'd flag it with him and he'd be like, yeah, I was actually thinking about that already. Or mm. yeah, that makes sense. Um, and whilst we were both in the church very heavily growing up, like he comes from a very Christian family. I come from a very Christian family. Um, he's always been very carefree, very, um, like, yes, he's been in the beliefs of the church, but I don't think he ever really identified with them Mm. in the way that most people do. Yeah. Um, so changing a lot of his perspective on things was not really a big deal for him. Sounds like he might've been more in touch than some of us with his authentic self. Like, yes. like belief didn't mean identity or, yes. or entertaining an idea didn't mean an identity. Correct. Huh. That is, yeah. yeah, that, and that is one thing that as I've gone on this journey, I've kind of, I've gone, well, maybe you need to work on something. Like maybe there's something that you need to reshape. And he's mm. like, no, I'm cool. Like I'm good. <laughs> um. <laughs> You're like. Actually, I agree. Okay. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, are you sure? Are you okay? There's no underlying trauma there from something that you need to work through. Gotta be something wrong with you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, so he That's really awesome. has like it's been it's been really nice because I feel like I've been through a lot. Um, and so it's been nice that he's just kind yeah. of been this rock there rolling as I've been going through things, like not feeling he's always been a really confident, independent person. His identity has never been in what he thinks or does. Um, when I started, you know, my conscious sexuality Instagram and started talking about our sex life online and started being, I guess, more provocative. Mm. If you really want to use that word, he was like, I don't care. Like you do you, Mm. you know? Um, And that was one thing that we sort of did come across is people were like, yeah, but don't, why would you want your wife showing herself that way online? And he's like, well, like there's things that are for us and there's things that are for others. Like, you know, we had discussions about boundaries, like what he was comfortable mm. with me sharing Less. and what he wasn't comfortable with me sharing. Mm. Like, and and I think that's an interesting thing is a lot of people don't see those conversations. So they just assume yeah. Yeah. that there's a line that's being crossed or something. Whereas it's like, well, you're, I mean, there's, you're not in this marriage for a reason. <laughs> like this is our relationship. <laughs> well, <laughs> You're not in this marriage for a reason. Get the fuck out of here. Getting in my marriage. It's an interesting Pretty statement. Much. Yeah. There's layers um, to that. I like it. I know. If I want, part of me wants to unpack and just like play around with that that one line, but what is it? Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. Like there's a non monogamy joke in there, and maybe there's. <laughs> very monogamous we are (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I get it um so yeah so in terms of yeah how dan coped with it all he just he just very much went with it and if he ever had a problem with something or felt concerned about something we would just talk about it and so that in itself took our relationship to whole new levels because Mm. we learned how to navigate and 
grow together and evolve together. I mean, we got married when we were barely 21, like babies. The odds are not good. I too got married that young and was divorced by 25, I think. Well, right. didn't, didn't you also get married when you were 19, uh, Jasmine? Uh, isn't, didn't I read that on your bio? Nope. It said, I thought it said that you were in a relationship when you were 19 and then it ended and then you met your husband. Right oh, after that. yes. I did have a relationship when I was 19. Um, wasn't like, married or anything. It was just a dating that. relationship. Okay. I misread. Yeah. Can I, can I ask you just for, uh, just to get a real clear, like fine point on it. Mm-hmm. Did you completely heal from vaginismus? Is that what it's called? It is called that. And yes, I did. Is that, it sounded like it's something that you were experiencing for many years. Mm-hmm. It sounds incredible to heal, hear that someone can heal from something that's so chronic and mysterious. And I'm mm-hmm. assuming that you thought at that time it was going to be for your whole life. Yeah. Can you just tell a little bit? I feel like that's a very valuable mm-hmm. um, experience to have yeah definitely so um I guess two reasons I feel like why I experienced vaginismus one was because I had an accident when I was nine years old um where I fell into the edge of a pool and I cut my perineum um yeah correct so nine years old and I had to go to hospital and have surgery I had to be stitched up oh my gosh yeah yeah I mean, that's, so, that's the age of my daughter right now. Like, uh, I, I can't imagine right. how, like, traumatizing it'd be for her. Yeah. Extremely traumatizing. Yeah. Um. So you've got, like, nine-year-old, you've got doctors looking at, <clears throat> at your vulva, well, like, yeah. you know, examining, yeah. trying to do it, and then you've got to go under an anesthetic and get stitched up. Like, wow. big deal. Um. And then the second is I believe there is a portion of the purity culture sort of Christianity side of things that also affected my sexuality, but from a real physical perspective, my body held the trauma from the accident. Mm. Is that the idea that around in in cases of vaginismus, I'm assuming that there are many or many ways for it to manifest itself, but is it like a tightening of a lot of the muscles of like the, maybe the pelvic floor or. Yeah, exactly. It's that's exactly right. So like our pelvic floor has like a, a, there's so many muscles in the pelvic floor. Um, which hold it all together. And then again, sort of really specifically, you do have muscles, which is your vaginal canal, um, which like leads up to your cervix and then your uterus. Um, So it's that section where normally people are, you know, that's your vaginal canal is where people are doing penetrative sex or using toys and things like that. Um, And so it's at that point of insertion where, so basically my body remembered that the last time something was at that area, it was really painful and it hurt. And so my body was protecting me. Yeah. It was like, no, last time this happened, it actually really yeah. hurt. So we don't want to do this again. But that didn't manifest itself until I was 21. Oh. Oh, you didn't experience any symptoms that you, is that kind of because you weren't having penetrative sex until then? Yeah, correct. And then also just as a teenager, like I never used tampons or anything like that as well. Oh. So I never, never ever inserted anything Whoa. because I was a good Christian girl <laughs> um, oh. until I got married. And then all of a sudden yeah. I was like, oh, okay, why can't I have sex? Is and that that's, part a, of- that's the, I got to say this real quick, Daniel. And that's like the part of the faith journey that hurts especially bad is that you did all the right things. Right. 
and you were told if you do the right things, then holy shit, marriage, sex can be amazing. It's going to, yeah, it's going to blow your mind. Like we've, we've, we know what the secret, the world doesn't know the secret. And, and then you get there and you're like, um, no, this sucks. This sucks bad. (laughs) Really bad. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, with that said though, and I, I'm, I'm not, playing devil's advocate necessarily trying to play god's advocate right now (laughs) just go for it i'm not i'm not christian and to be honest the christian when christianity comes up on this uh podcast i always feel a little bit uncomfortable Mm. because i don't want to put people off because there's a lot of people who like hear christianity and they're like fuck that you know and I think that there's a healthy expression of Christianity. I know both of you know this. I'm not saying anything new, but I'm, I am legitimately curious about not for my own wanting to uh, take on this religion or, or be part of this religion, but I am curious about healthfully expressed Christianity. Cause I do believe mm. it is a, any religion can be, um, can work you know the Mm. term religion as i understand it comes from the latin religios which just means to relink Mm. so we're relinking to that creator the thing the the greater part um, beyond ourselves and i I, i'm not saying i fully believe that but that's just kind of where i generally have come from for the last decade Mm. or two and so i think that there's a lot of different ways to relink and we call Mm. these things religions um and uh they all seem to be abused at, at times and by some people and, and not, and it's kind of like a spectrum. You have a million different expressions yeah. of religion through a human life. Mm. Um, and so I am curious about, about a healthfully expressed Christianity. And I imagine that, that a person could have a sexually, what am I trying to say? It's like, almost like, I wonder if there are people who are generally just not that sexual maybe mm-hmm. and they are also Christian. And so they had a fine Christian life, you know, and mm-hmm. they actually did follow the rules, like the ones mm-hmm. you're talking about. Cause I don't want to just throw all these people into that. They're definitely totally. suppressed and they yeah, should yeah. be like, we, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So it's an I, interesting. I, topic. I appreciate you wanting to bring some, um, what's the word I'd, I'd use for that? Um, I don't know if I'd use the word balance. Nuance. Nuance. Thank you. That's the word. That's the word, uh, Jasmine. Uh, by the way, Morgan says hello. She. I texted you her a photo of us talking. Um, so uh, that's how well Ron pays attention when we're talking. Yeah. What'd you guys say? Texting. <laughs> <laughs> it's right at the beginning. Okay, guys. Jeez, I didn't realize what I was that boring. Yeah. <laughs> uh, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Oh, I was gonna say I have met people who did do all the right stuff, and yeah. and like I can't say I've met like I can't say, man, I don't know. Like I don't. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. Like they're not mad. They're not mad at their experience growing up. They're they don't have a lot of yeah. resentment. And 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 I'm I wish more people had those experiences where religion. Uh, and I know I've said this on the podcast before. My experience in AA. One of the things they say in that in the the big book of AA is we look to religion where it is right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there is often places, any religion and in a, to a lot of, into my, in my experience, Christianity is right. Like, like the idea of forgiveness is a powerful tool. Mm. 
And when we put that in place in our relationships and to ourself, it changes things. Mm. That is profound. I don't understand how that works. Um, I think leaning on something outside of yourself is profound and learning how to speak that language within yourself so that you can feel that thing lean back is a really ex- crazy experience and something I still practice. Mm. Um, I just now realize like one of the things I did as a kid was I gave myself permission to be sexual and my, my kid, I mean, a teenager, mm. like I, I lost my virginity, like 14 years old. I was like, Oh, I'm just going to be a normal teenager. That's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be a normal teenager. I'm not going to feel bad about it. And, and even though I felt bad about other things going on in my life because Christianity, um, I don't know why I just was like, I'm not going to be feel bad about this. Yeah. And, and I think that actually helped me as I went into adulthood, like make decisions that were healthy, that were actually healthy decisions, sexually speaking, rather than frantic right like i got like this has got to happen because it's never gonna happen again or or what other opportunities is going to come along or out of fear or judgment to myself or any of those things like it just and it was i'm pretty proud of myself for the for that kind of thing to be honest (laughs) that's good I think that's interesting. Pride becomes point. before the fall, says the Bible. <laughs> I just wanted to throw a little shame on you so you can get too cocky. No, Dude, Ronald is like just, just dodges all that stuff. <laughs> Ronald's got a black belt and ain't no shame. <laughs> Sorry, you were saying yes. I was I was just gonna say, like, I, I like that I like that you gave yourself permission as as a teen to do what you felt was best for you, essentially. Um, because I think I look back on my journeys in Christianity and it was very much led by what others thought were best for me. Yeah. Which, which is what I really struggle with in, in Christianity is someone else is always telling you what you should be doing. And I, I feel like that's, I wish I had stood up for myself more or I had the confidence to, I guess, create a bit of a, a more um, independent sense of self um growing up because I I yearned for that I that was within me I felt it a lot um growing up I felt it from you know restrictions that my parents put on me as a teenager Mm. and and the rules that they had and things like that and they meant well like they're not bad people um they were just doing what they felt was right for me but one thing that I don't didn't feel equipped in was learning how to think for myself or learning how to say, yeah. okay, cool, I get that you want me to do that, but actually what's best for me is doing this. Um, and the reason I didn't do that, which I feel is really sad, is because of fear of what was going to happen if I decided to defy my parents. Right, right, yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the hellfire and brimstone. It's like you get cast in the outer darkness, right? Right. Even if, even if you parents are your parents telling you like, we love you, you're going to be okay. There's still that like weird hook from the narrative of, of the event. I would, I wouldn't call Christianity like evangelical Christianity, Mm. you know, or, or charismatic Christianity or Mm. something like that, uh, that has a real, like they've got, they own the, you know, they own the fucking like rule book on who's, who, who's, who's in and who's not in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I had another question around when you started this process of, of releasing the fear, guilt, and shame around your sexuality, expressing yourself sexually, it tends to be that when you start to like turn over one leaf, like you realize, <laughs> oh man, 
this doesn't stop. I've got to like <laughs> keep turning them over. I keep got to, there's more threads to pull. Was there anything else that was like as either, I don't know if anything could be as profound as the healing journey you went on, which is amazing. But was there anything else that was like really challenging to you personally that you're like, man, I can't believe I'm facing this and I can't Mm -hmm. believe I'm letting this go or walking away from or some version of that? I never felt sad about what I was walking away from. Mm. I always felt relief. Yeah. Yeah. Because I knew I had known for so long in my subconscious, in my deep inner self that the path that I was on was not yeah. what I wanted to do, but I didn't know how to get out of it. I didn't know yeah. how to leave that path. Yeah, well and said. so honestly, like none of it felt sad to leave. It yeah. felt it felt like a breath of fresh air. It felt, it felt like a coming home to myself, to who yeah. I always really desired to be, just mm. to have the freedom to think however I wanted, to do whatever I wanted to explore thoughts and, and concepts and, and not have to necessarily attach to them, but just have the freedom to read about it and go, yeah. Oh, that's an interesting perspective. Cool. Whereas the, the, the Christian belief that I believe that I was brought up in was very confined. It was like, well, you can only read these things. You can only listen to these things. Yeah. You can't do anything else off that path because if you do, you're going to open a door to the devil and then you're going to like become possessed or something. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, so fucked up. <laughs> that's her professional and technical take on correct. On the hell that. All I fucked mean, up. Yes, when I get those, like, like every once in so a while, I'll be, I'll be like doing the dishes or something normal, and I'll have a memory from mm-hmm. growing up around that kind of stuff and the all those rules, and I'm like, wow, that is abusive. Like that was yeah. terrible. That's a don't, really fucked up thing tr- to. Make Don't try to put all those words to it. Next time, just go mutter to yourself. That's like so fucked up. That's yeah. It's like, like that. <laughs> I do it. I, I say that sentence a lot. I read something or I learn something new and I look at my husband and I'm like, this is just fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, that's amazing. Um, I uh, really appreciate you coming today, Jasmine. Thank you so much. Actually, Jasmine. Been... Go ahead, I, Daniel. I would like to, can I ask you for some advice? Sure. Oh, oh, we should do this more often. Let's <laughs> ask our guests for thing? advice. Yeah, like like our big hairy one. Like we challenge really to with. Ronald and Daniel every show. <laughs> By the end of it, come up with some advice. See what we can get out of this. <laughs> Ron would just be like, I don't have any advice to ask, but I have some to give for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> That's just exactly right. Because <laughs> he's like so fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's how fucked up that is. Somebody just texted me before this call and said yeah. they were sick. And instead of going, I'm sorry, you're sick. I fucking left him a voice message about how to feel better. And oh. then immediately when I was done, I was like, oh, gross, Ronald. And I texted him. I was like, or you can just ignore me because I'm full of shit and sorry. <laughs> yeah. So that is in there, Daniel. Whoa. I, I was actually just kind of making a joke. But Every joke noted. is based in the silver truth. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is actually serious advice. I had a lover friend uh, about a couple years ago, and they uh, experienced um, pain with penetrative sex. And it mm-hmm. makes me wonder if they were experiencing vaginismus and 
they didn't use any words around it like that. And they seemed pretty perplexed by it. We never mm-hmm. talked about it in detail, but I'm curious if you think it would be appropriate in some for me to somehow reach out and just be like, have you ever heard of this term? You know, I, I feel like that's invasive, but I, I also want to help them out potentially. Yeah. I mean, it, they could have been experiencing vaginismus or a form of, of painful sex. Um, there's a lot of different reasons why you can experience painful sex, whether it's really? from like endometriosis or from a trauma yeah. that it's occurred and, and lots of different reasons. Huh. Um, a lot of people though, don't know that it's not normal. Um, which I yeah. think is a really sad thing is, yeah. and, and that's something that I experienced is I just thought, well, is, is like, is this what oh, it is? just thought it was normal. I see. Right. Yeah. Um, they, they don't think it's normal, but I am curious. I didn't, it's nice to know yeah. like that there are other reasons. I'm <laughs> obviously pretty ignorant. I think that shame keeps people really feeling like they're the, they're the unique flower of doom mm-hmm. and that they, they are uniquely qualified to suffer in that way. Mm. Um, you, you, yeah. what was the injured? Endometriosis. How do you say that word? Endometriosis. Is that when you're? Is that when the um, um, ovary like gets sick and? Yeah, that it's like I don't I don't know the clear definition of it, but it has to do with your ovaries and your uterus, and um, I believe it's something that ends up being on on either on your ovaries or like yeah. on the external side of your uterus as a, I had my ex-wife and I well she had a really intense experience with endometriosis mm-hmm. and it caused a lot of problems for her mm-hmm. eventually including ectopic pregnancy which is okay. awful yeah as I understand it and I'm not trying to mansplain anything here I I I, I see it as an inflammation of of parts of uh, yeah. the reproductive system and particularly yeah. and I don't know if this is true it's almost like the outside is trying to shed itself like the inside is supposed to shed itself hmm. that sounds more accurate to me than That's what I was trying to explain <laughs> I had a I had a girlfriend who had uh, an ovary get twisted mm-hmm. and oh. then died and oh my god because there was a, a growth on there that had mm-hmm. like pushed it around and the growth ended up being like the size of a, a grapefruit like enormous. Wow. And, um, and it caused sex, you know, early in our mm-hmm. relationship to be really painful and like oh tears and like, look, Oh God, what'd I do? And, yeah. um, finally, wow. um, we had to, we had to rush to the hospital because wow. she was so sick from her ovary dying and she was getting wow. sick from that. You know, it was, it was yeah. That's what happens with ectopic pregnancies is yes. it gets grows and grows and it can end up essentially, as I understand it, bursting and Jeez. causing like appendicitis yeah. death situation. We did the same yeah. thing when, when Adria got pregnant, mm. it was mm. like, we had to rush the, and I was such an asshole. She mm. was like, I don't feel good. And I'm spotting. And I was like, it's probably fine. You know? And I, it was like, she was like, no, I need to go. And I was like, okay, let's go. This is a long time ago. I would yeah. never fucking do this now. This is like 10 years ago. And we go to the hospital and she was in life, life or death surgery within mm. an hour. Yeah. Wow. It's the real deal. Yeah. Just trust this, your wife. I think this is <laughs> I think this is the thing with painful sex is there's so many unknowns about the female yeah. reproductive system and what it does if it doesn't do what it's meant to be doing. 
And so that's why there's just so like doctors don't often, a lot of doctors don't know how to treat things correctly when it comes to painful sex. Um, a lot of, a lot of people get advice about like, Oh, just drink more wine and relax and you'll be fine. And like, it's the worst advice a doctor yeah. could ever give. <laughs> I, I had a friend who went and talked to her doctor and, she, and he literally gave her a Valium and said, he gave her a prescription of Valium and said, take this and drink wine. Right. And I'm like, he told you to roofie yourself. Right. Like, like that's mad. Like that's well, you can up. see where that's coming from though. It's like, they're trying to maybe say, you just need to really relax your body. There's, there could potentially be some truth to that in my mind, but like you're saying, it's not about that. In the, no. In the yeah. And I, I, and I hate, I hate that they say that because it just perpetuates that story of, well, we'll just relax so that the person wow. you're having sex with can have sex. And it's like, oh, no, no, that's not yeah. what it's about. Yeah. Like, if, yeah. don't get, don't get me started on the patriarchy. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother segment. Fuck patriarchy. <laughs> we'll go ahead and we'll agree with that. You know, it's, it, it's tricky, right? That's the, that's, I think that's the reason I don't want to reach out to this friend who mm. experiences something like that, because it's like, I'm a man. Hey, I'm Ronald with his friend who's sick. He's like, I got something for you. And it's like, comes from a good place. You want to help someone. But also it's like, I don't know, you know, I don't know anything about yeah. this. It's something I'm just learning about. And there's so much complexity yeah. and nuance and it goes deep. And, and also it's kind of dumb to assume that this person who's into uh, a lot of naturopathic medicine mm-hmm. and wouldn't know that already. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah sure and that can, probably do. that can be the tricky thing. Like, I guess if you're not really in contact with that person and you don't really know if it's something that they're actively trying to yeah. resolve, it can it can almost be like just that awkward conversation where people go, oh, but have you tried this when someone tells them about something that's ailing them? And you go, yeah, but have you tried this? Or yeah, but have you tried that? And they're like, shut the fuck up. I've tried everything. Like years like- ago. <laughs> She's like, Daniel, everything okay. was fucking fine when you left. <laughs> I'm gonna actually, not, this, not. Isn't, okay. this is a side note. And and I, I this actually, I've heard a lot of stories of people who have experienced painful sex. And then they've left a relationship and then they've gone on to a new relationship with someone else and they don't experience the painful oh, sex. Interesting. Where do you, what do you think that's about? I, I think it can be about like if how open or safe that you feel with a person. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm not saying that because you're not an open or a safe person, but like, no, I definitely am. Sometimes the, like the painful sex can just be based yeah. on something that could be in the subconscious. It might not be from a physical trauma that has occurred. Yeah. Um, and they might not be experiencing it with somebody else, but so that's like that's so there's so many complexities to painful sex and why it happens and how it can happen and all those sorts of things. It's a really interesting, uh, very specific, like specific, right? But obviously, yeah. so many reasons and nuance and and uh, complexity and past mm. history. I mean, I, I just appreciate you talking about this in the world, and mm. then specifically with a couple of dudes who like kind of have never experienced you know a couple of knuckle draggers <laughs> i mean in in some areas we really are like you know i mean i don't need to be talking to anybody about painful vaginal penetrative sex you know so and i had a partner recently was like i've said hey do you recommend me and ronald inviting this guest on the show uh, and they, it was like around an indigenous situation oh, yeah. um and she was like She's like, yeah, you're like a high school basketball player and you want to have a chat. You want to like play with Kobe and Shaq, you know? <laughs> I was like, okay, fuck you. And also point taken. <laughs> and and so yeah, I, but should we still have him on? <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know, we, I think Ronald and I know where we stand here 
and and just I think it is special to be able to participate in this in this conversation that's not private. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I I love that you guys are talking about this stuff because you could just stick to the pretty typical manly topics or whatever and not open up the subject. But I don't I don't know who your listeners are, but I mean maybe there's someone out there who has a partner who's experiencing something Holy. like this. So it's going to help very likely, yeah, get a bit of light to them as to how that they could potentially support their partner and things like that. And I just think it's just such a topic that needs as much light as possible. Um, because even though we're in a much better place around painful sex than we were like in terms of Google and information that's available and breaking the stigma around it, there's still, still so much more to go. It's still not better. Like it still should be better, um, from an educational perspective. Um, so I just, I love that I can come on and share my story and, shed the light to another group of people who maybe haven't, you know, heard of it before. So, you know, as a single um, man who is sexually active, it actually would, it's, I can feel already, it would change my approach in having Mm -hmm. sex with anybody because maybe, because I would think that maybe there's degrees, I suspect there's degrees of painful sex and maybe someone has just a little bit of that experience Mm -hmm. and they don't really mention it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, yeah. Um, I just would think that it would be something good to know that's out, out in the world that people experience, potentially a lot of people and to yeah. varying degrees and maybe just, yeah. <laughs> just, I guess, be aware. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's being aware and knowing that just because maybe someone can't have penetrative sex doesn't mean you can't have any sex at all. Yeah. Amen. So it's redefining that <laughs> as well. Like your sexual experience shouldn't just be based around penetration. It, yeah. it can be, it can be everything else and not that and that's not going to take away from that experience totally that that is also another rich conversation that could be had awesome yes yeah definitely (laughs) uh okay well as a person who um used to be in christian ministry i want to tell you you were doing the lord's work (laughs) 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 he's like "Mm." (laughs) Thank you. God? <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm at a bit of a point where I'm like, mm, I don't know if I want to be told that I'm doing the Lord's work. <laughs> Ronald likes to drop one really stupid comment every single show. At least, at Sorry, least one. Ronald. That's good. It's he good. also asked me to give him more shit on the show. So that, that came from a place of love, Ronald. Oh, man, thank you. Little Ronnie appreciates that. Um, little Ronnie. That was a Ron Ron moment. Let's not... <laughs> <laughs> Don't try to pass the buck on to Ronnie. That was full Ron Ron. <laughs> Jasmine, thank you for coming here. We really appreciate it. I'm I'm delighted by your story and I love your articulation around it and how you're helping people in it. That's I mean it's kind of it, right? It's like your your wound became an actual superpower. And yeah. sharing with it and talking about it is just spreading more of that healing out there. And yeah. it happens. That's how we get that's what we get. Well, like we had Morgan, I had no idea. I don't even remember that podcast episode. I don't even know how that came up. And it, it's, I'm, I'm humbled that that's what helped you. And, or one of the small things that helped you, obviously there's a lot of stuff going on. So uh, thank you. Thanks for showing up here and thanks for sharing your story. Yeah. Where can people find you? How, if someone, if a woman wants more of your advice and to follow mm-hmm. you or a dude is like, honey, you need to hear this lady. What, what do they do? Or non-binary. Like, or non-binary. You know, like, exactly. There's so many yeah. Any human that would like to reach out or there find what I do. Yeah. 
Um, I'm mostly on Instagram these days at conscious sexuality. Um, I have a website which has info on there, but that I also do have my own podcast, which I haven't updated recently, but there's episodes on there that people can listen Mm. to, which I tell my story or Dan tells his side of the story. Um, uh, just around multiple different topics and that's just conscious yeah. sexuality the podcast it's a strong um, podcast name yeah and so I mean I'm not I'm not doing any work with anyone at the moment um, because I am currently pregnant and having a baby in December so Whoa. um I am winding down on what I'm doing but I yeah. still love it when people drop into my dms so awesome congrats by the way on that baby Thank you. when in December what's it what's it um around the 17th Okay, let's pull for 13 because that's Morgan's birthday. And, oh, yay! It's her birthday. Awesome. <laughs> hey, one awesome. more question before we lose you here. Can mm-hmm. you can you help Ronald and I with the origin story of you being on this podcast? Because I, I, I think that I was Googling sexuality coaches or sexuality something, yep. and I found you, and then I DM'd you. Yeah. And then you said, oh, I'm a... I, I really love Morgan and I work with mm. Morgan. I would love to do this. Um, th- that's how we started, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Cool. I just thought that was cool. Dude, that's because, wild. Yeah. That's amazing. That had Yeah, nothing- right. I so didn't- you, you, Dan, you messaged me, but not off Ron's knowledge. Not in the slightest. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I yeah. just found you because I was that's so looking good. for people like you. <laughs> that's a, that's awesome. Great. Well, I mean, I'm glad to know I come up in searches. You're uh, now you global do. authority on this. Yeah. Also, Ronald, this is Jasmine. She's a hey. Good to meet you. I'm really coach. glad to meet you. you Help me out. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like I could probably take a few lessons from your husband. <laughs> awesome. That's good. Thank you. It's been a hey. lot of fun. I, I've had a lot of fun. This yeah. That it's was been nice super fun. I've really enjoyed myself. Thanks. And when you do right. get back on the podcast saddle, uh, mm-hmm. we'd love to love to uh, have you back. Talk about what you're doing again. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Cool. All right. I'd love it. Take Bye. care. Jasmine. Field dressing number 40, <laughs> 40. Go us, man. Jasmine Carmen, she was fun, dude. That was a lot of fun. We have a good, we're starting to have a good theme of really good conversations with Australians. Who, <laughs> By the way, what are the other Australians? Uh, Tracy Hunter. Oh, yeah. Tracy oh, Hunter. yeah. 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 Yeah, Tracy Hunter. yeah. Yeah. She was, maybe we should have a board of Australia. I mean, that's funny to her and have her and Tracy. There should be like maybe like a few other. Definitely sexuality or like you know i don't something in that world where they just we just pepper them with questions we ask for advice that's what we should do <laughs> well you know we give advice like ask <laughs> give, advice. <laughs> give me your problem give you. i don't i don't need to know your problem but i definitely have advice for you <laughs> i got so much to say right now <laughs> so that way that i said us strange right there was a subtle uh show reference by the way uh, I didn't catch it. Trains. Sorry. Flight of the Concords, which I wanted to bring oh, up at one point. Man, time. I love that show. Because you know how they rip Australians. On yeah, that show. yeah. I, I'm disappointed <laughs> I didn't catch that one because well, uh Jermaine dates an Australian, Keitha. Do you remember that whole bit? It's really Is that good. season two. I don't know. I don't watch it in seasons. I just watch YouTube clips. Okay, okay. 
which is a really interesting way to watch any show because you get it way out of order and then you start to slowly like the bubbles make bigger bubbles and then you get it. It's like a nonlinear way to absorb a show. It's all but, uh, that is back to what Jasmine said is like you get the punchlines, but you lost the plot. <laughs> That's true. You did. <laughs> Oh, good reach around. That yeah, was a really good one. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> but the way that he says he says Australia, he he is so in conflict with himself over dating an Australian because he really likes her that he can't say the word Australia when he says he's dating an Australian. <laughs> so he, he can never quite get through the word. <laughs> really <laughs> Australian. <laughs> well, we should have more of them on because it, it, we're 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 um, you know. What's the, what's the, give me a sport terminology that means we've hit bullseyes every time. What would that say? Like, what's our oh. bat? Come on, batting paint, average. Oh, I don't know. We're painting the edges. Strike zone. <laughs> we're hitting dingers. We've been hitting for the cycle. Thank it's a you. touchdown every Thank time. Thank you. Sports, <laughs> sports terminology. If I had to do like, I, I would die. Bad. If someone put a gun to my head, it was like, start asking me that questions. I would just, I'd be like, I'm dead. You know, I, I really like sports, but I yeah. am ashamed of that. And I keep it, especially when I have a girlfriend that I really like, like that I love, I will keep my sports that I like sports from them because, um, cause I don't want to be judged as a knucklehead sports fan because my, the way I like sports is really, I really like it. I love the stories. I get to know the people and the characters I follow who they are, at least as best you can, you know? Yeah. But I love it. I love the sport. I love the game. I, I don't like the bullshit of it, but I always feel ashamed about that. Don't feel ashamed about this any longer, dude. I've been doing Did that better. Help? Did that help me? Uh, man, you yelling at me, you to not me not to do something anymore? <laughs> My I'm heart's sure that going was a little pitter <laughs> No, you're right, though. It, I, I do have choice around that. I don't have. It's not so subconscious of a, of a, of a um, shame that I that I can't choose not to do. I can choose not to do it. I think my, um, I intentionally tried to not like sports as a kid because I didn't, I didn't play enough to be good. You know, I, like I had, I had health problems as a child, asthma and allergies that just kept me off the fields and I would try and I would never play for more than a season or so. And, and I really, really um, regret having a lot of judgment around sports as a child. I mm. wish I had done, done them more. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a judgment against competitiveness, but that's yeah. only because co- competitiveness is so easily spoiled, you know, and turned, mm. turned up too high. Good call, but yeah. If you turn it down to the right frequency, it's lovely. It's good hearted. It's good natured. Yeah. And it's, it's actually these days when I play a game, like I, I, I like to play games a lot, actually. Uh, like pool or snooker or like darts or anything. And I, I kind of have a little bit of skill around them. And so, but every time I get into a game, I always like want it to be a really close game, you know? Yeah. I get really uncomfortable if I'm blowing someone out. I don't mind being blown out. I almost like that because someone's huh. like doing a good job, but yeah. I'm still playing. It's like dichotomous. It's holding opposites. I'm really playing. Don't give gotcha. me yeah. 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 But it's good natured. I, I, I'm not competitive until suddenly I am like, I get into a position <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't anticipate it. And like, I, like I show up to whatever it's going to be and I'm like, I'm here. And then suddenly, uh, Ron, Ron is like, <laughs> it's on, it's on. And we want to, we want to like win. We want to be the yeah, best. That's probably, I mean, I don't know. It sounds like it's, it's okay. Okay. And then it goes, and you turn it, crank it all the way up. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. there's probably something there you can flesh out. Did we, I felt like we missed something. We were on a, on a, a path talking about Jasmine or conversation. She was great. She, she was, she was awesome. so great. Yeah. I, that was I a really engaging conversation. So, so good. I want to reiterate that, that it, vaginismus and, and painful sex is really common. And if you know someone mm. who's experiencing, like go find help. There's, there's plenty of resources like it, like not you, Daniel, but like you, the listener. No, I get um, it. <laughs> it's just, it's just it, 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 what you just did. It's just, it's slightly in the world. And I don't really know this, but you and I, I think that was a really good conversation for you and I to have because, yeah, because we talked about religion. We talked about sex. We talked about sex, particularly more centered around women and rather than men. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a couple of, of, of areas that are either not really our forte or they are a little bit charged or a lot charged, you know? And I think that it's good for us not to shy away or for anybody to shy away from those conversations. And if you're, if you like, like at least me in this conversation, don't really have a lot of articulation around it, you, we might misstep, you know, but I think that people will see what is coming from your heart and my heart. Like I, I am here for, for the promotion of people's health and well-being. Yeah. you know, all people, all life, you yeah. know, yeah. it's a huge value of mine. I fuck up all the time, but it's, I fuck up less than I did six months ago, every six months. And, but I still think it's cool that we jumped into that. Um, cause it's maybe six months ago, I wouldn't have spoken, uh, not maybe I, six months ago, I probably would have held my tongue on some of those topics and, you don't grow if you hold your tongue. And I think it's also valuable to have beginning fledgling conversation um, where you are learning and have that public. Whereas I've heard some people say, well, if you don't know what you're talking about, have those conversations in private, doesn't need to be public. And it's like, I get what you're saying, but if you're having these conversations, I think like you and I are with open heart, open mind, curious it's okay to have them in public so people can see how they can potentially, hopefully have those conversations and start those conversations for themselves, maybe in public, maybe in private. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. And I don't think I can add anything to it. That's how much sense it made. Honestly, I really, really feel grateful for that conversation. And I wasn't really feeling it in the beginning because I didn't, I don't know her, you know? And I, but wow, you know, that was, I feel like she really provided a, an allowing, uh, graceful, spacious, at times humorous space for you and I to kind of like dip our toes in some of these waters. Totally. Totally. Let's do some more. How about 40 more? How about we do 40 more episodes and then we decide <laughs> if we want to do another 40. Let's just start there. No, no, you and I shook hands. We're doing a hundred. You've got me for a hundred, my friend. A hundy, a hundy. No, we shook hands. I know, I know. It's I, I say, I say forty more, trying but my to heart is allowed. No, no, no. My, trying to back out. No, trying to sound funny, uh, but my heart says I never want to stop. I was, I got to take my wife and and her girlfriend to the airport. They're headed um, somewhere, and uh, our friend was asking me about the podcast, and I, I go, you know what, I'm. I am thoroughly addicted to hearing people's stories and, and hearing what makes them tick and hearing about their expertise and their experience. And I can't get enough of it. It is so fun. It is really, really enjoyable. Today we talked to what, who has considered the best female rock climber in the world. 
Yeah. All around rock climber. Like all she's really good at all the skills so much so that like it kind of takes up most of the space. Yeah. She would not like the statement I just said, but yeah. our contemporaries who are some of the best, we're the, the best, in the way. Say, yeah, yeah. you know, like yeah. you get a quote by Alex Honnell. Yeah. Or Tommy Caldwell. Yeah. Like, come on. You know? Yeah. And he's like, she's the best, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you, sorry. Michael Jordan just said you're the best. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're the best. That's right. You know, and she was in Austria and then we took a few hour break and did our thing. And then we spoke to a conscious sexuality coach in Australia. Like what a cool day, you know, dude. And what a cool day. What a, thank God we live in this time zone. We'd have to be doing this with carrier pigeons in the past and it would take, it would take forever. <laughs> Podcast via like carrier pigeon, pigeons. <laughs> we, we send the questions back and forth and then our subscribers eventually get a pigeon at their door with a little. What? I just had a had that uh, scene in Monty Python and the Holy Grail when they got the coconuts and the pit and the <laughs> carrier for the, the birds, like the coconut. <laughs> so funny i need to watch that again and get some of those references queued up but anyways i love it i love you uh she she was a a really special human yeah yeah love you too man appreciate this see you next time 